<laughs> I might gotta take my shirt off. Yeah, kid. I like that one. Uh-huh, go in, go in. Yeah. It's Task Force Tuesday, the Narcs is in the black car uh, I got 500, 100 packs in my backyard uh, Clear 12-12s that look like stuffed shells I'm cutting niggas' throats on the sails while they puff L's wow. Don't leave nothing unbagged, shave everything I learned from the OGs to save everything Hello, 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 welcome to episode 126 of All In With Kevin I am your host, Kevin Lewis It's been a while um, If you were looking forward to episodes the last few weeks I apologize you know, just been a little busy and enjoying the weather. Just doing, just doing my own thing. So, I'm back though. Um, just here to talk some playoff hoops. I ain't talking about that that baseball team in the Bronx because ain't nothing much to talk about. Half their roster's dead, so it's like, all right, well, not much to talk about over there. But um, as far as the playoff hoops, we've been getting some good hoops. Listen. Adam Silver wanted parity in this league, and he's getting it. Because, I mean, we we don't have a good grasp on who is going to win the championship. We simply do not. Usually by now, you have a grasp on who's going to get to the finals, who's going to win it. In the West especially, like we don't know. Because are the Nuggets the best team in the West? Probably. The Suns, I'm going to get into that in a, in a little bit, but... If, if Devin Booker is going to continue playing like Michael Jordan, that might be too much to overcome in and of itself. Especially with Kevin Durant on the same team. Like, But it's been some good hoops. But I, I'll start by talking about Knicks Heat because, you know, I, I did hop back on the bandwagon specifically for the series for nostalgic reasons. Um, The thing with the Knicks is, generally speaking... They just don't have enough outside shooting. They don't. And if you're going to play Mitchell Robinson as much as they do, that exacerbates the issue. Because now, granted, he's going to get you some second shots and all that. But if he's not completely overwhelming on the boards and you're struggling shooting the ball, which the Knicks have been for the majority of the series, it becomes problematic. They need to probably... There's no fix here because, again, it's kind of how the roster is built. But they kind of, I think they need to incorporate Julius at the five lineups more. Now, granted, I have my grievances to air with Julius. Like, I think he's an 82-game player and not a 5, 7, or 16-game player, depending on how you want to um, put it. I, I, I think he is a regular season merchant. We have now seen two playoffs from Randall as a Nick where he's just completely fucking disappeared and, and, and hurt the team more than he helped it. Now, that sample size is now what? I want to say it's... The first round was five games. This round was three. It's like, it's like a 13, 15, 16, something like that. It's not an overwhelmingly large sample. But he's been absolutely heinous in the playoffs as a Nick. So, listen. Game three, the defense was not bad. Miami did not exactly light the world on fire with the shooting. That's kind of what Miami has been the majority of this season. Like, the, notwithstanding the first the, the the first round series against the Bucks, where they were where, where they couldn't feel their face the the whole series, and then uh, what game one of the Knicks series. Outside of that, like the, the Miami has been an average to below average shooting team the entire year. That showed itself in game three. Everything was pretty similar outside of the fact that they got to the line considerably more. And 
And um, the points off of turnovers was considerably in Miami's favor. Those were that is what did the Knicks in. But the shooting is just it's a problem. Like it's been a problem for a while. Um and like quickly I think it's doubtful for game four. But who knows how the Knicks operate with uh, as far as the injury reports because like Josh Hart went from out to doubtful to to playing so um, before I think it was game two of the the Cavalier series so who knows how that goes but if he's going to play as poorly as he generally has in the playoffs you have even less reliable shooting to deal with so it's just it it's a tough go for the Knicks from that perspective you got to protect the ball their their defense I think will be fine generally speaking and then you kind of got to go from there if 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 they shoot better from the, from the arc great i don't think you can necessarily rely on it because it's sh- it's been shown that you can't over the course of this playoffs and over the course of the regular season they were a below average three point shooting team in the regular season as well but ultimately look I, well, this series is going to come down to how many how 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 many three pointers can the Knicks make and it's not to be reductionist because that's not the only thing, but if if they they're gonna continue shooting ten for forty, you know, whatever 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 percentages they've been shooting, they're gonna go home. It's really really simple. They need other things to go right. I get it. They need to contain Jimmy Butler a little bit better. I get it. But ultimately, Miami's offense is not what is doing the Knicks in. It's it's the Knicks offense. So we'll see where that goes. The other series in the East, the Sixers and Celtics. Now, I don't take this. I don't take the Philadelphia Sixers particularly seriously. Maybe I should change my opinion. I, I don't believe. I, I will believe they win this series with the Celtics. When, when there's zero 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 left after the Sixers have won the fourth game, the Celtics are better than them, and the Celtics have been religiously slapping them around for years now. I don't see how either of those things changes. Personally, we're Harden had two heroic efforts in this series to get to get this series to this point, and he's one of the best scorers of all time. Could Harden have two more of these and send the Celtics home? Yeah, it's possible. I'm not sitting here saying it's impossible. I'm sitting here saying, for me, it's very unlikely. The Celtics. The Celtics tend to get in their own way at times. That's just how they get down. Very good team, kind of inconsistent, can bury themselves with mistakes. I don't necessarily think that that was what game four was about. Harden had a sublime performance, and it was one of those nip-and-tuck kind of games, and and the Celtics made made a furious comeback, and they fell a little bit short in the end. Now... What was controversial was the whole not calling a timeout business that Joe Mazzulla seems to like to do. In general, in those spots, I- I'm all for it, but it's usually when the game is tied. The game is tied, and you know you're going to get the last shot regardless. And if you miss it, it goes to overtime or, you, or double overtime, whatever it is. I'm usually all in favor of not calling timeout in that spot. Like, let, let your guys play. And... I'm still generally in favor of it anyway. But when you're down by one, I I feel like the argument, unless you're in transition, I feel like the argument to call a timeout is just stronger than than it is to not call one. Especially when 
again, you're not in transit, you're inbounding. This is not like they were on the run and Joe Mazzulla just didn't call timeout because he wanted to see it through in transition. That was not what happened. I think if you're down one in that spot, you call a timeout, get your guys, you know, get your guys to collect their breath or whatever, call a play, and, you know, get on the same page. Now, was it Joe Mazzulla's fault that they that Jason Tatum took so fucking long to get into whatever play that they were trying to run? No, obviously not. But I think calling a timeout could have prevented that to some degree. Albeit, again, it's not necessarily his fault. Either way, listen, it's a best of three in that series. I thought it would be a gentleman's sweep. I was wrong. Um, I, I still think Boston wins in six. I still think Boston is considerably better than those dudes. But boy, if the if the Sixers somehow manage to win that game, buddy, if they win that series, buddy, I'm a, I'm a laugh at the Celtics all summer. And and, and also, Jalen Brown. We 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 do the whole Jalen Brown Jason Tatum thing, and by we I mean y'all. Basically, every time Jalen Brown hits three buckets in a row, I gotta hear how it's really his team. Jason Tatum is only Paul George, and all this kind of fuck shit. I'm not gonna get too much too much deeper into that. All I'll say is the gap between them defensively is very wide. And, and like Jason Tatum is a considerably better defensive player than Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown came into the league with a rep as a defensive player, and despite his defense having really not been that good for like a solid five years now, he's still living on that rep. And the the, the play that led to the game-winning basket for the, for the Sixers kind of sums up the problem with Jalen Brown. Like, he doubles off of Harden in the court. Harden, who was basically their main and only scoring threat, besides the one who he was doubling off of, besides the one who, who he was doubling, excuse me, he doubles off him and leaves him wide. It leaves Harden wide open in the corner for three. Why? Why would that be the plan of attack here? Why? Tyrese Maxey hasn't done shit the whole series. PJ Tucker hasn't done shit the whole series. Tobias Harris hasn't done shit the whole series. You could you could send you could send one of those, their their men after Embiid. Instead, we're gonna double off a of James Harden in the corner, like a, a pass away. Why? That's the problem with Jalen Brown. He does stuff like that on defense all the time. And it doesn't get talked about because, well, he had the reputation of being a good defender eons ago. So, this is what it is. I still think Boston wins that series. Simple and plain. Um, Western Conference-wise, Warriors and Lakers, what is it? Anthony Davis... What is there to be said about Anthony Davis at this point? Because every other game, he basically turns into Hakeem. And then the other games, he's just there. I don't know what to say about it. The Lakers made a, a big adjustments in game three. Like, they played more people because I feel like having fresh bodies to throw at, at, at Steph and at Clay and, you know, running, them, running around with those dudes is important. Ham lengthened the the rotations a little bit, you know. I, they they stopped doing the exaggerated drop coverages with AD, and he he wreaked absolute havoc on the Warriors all over the court defensively. Um, the Warriors just played game. The Warriors have very sloppy moments and very sloppy games. Do I expect them to come out the sloppy game four? No. I think they probably win. I think that's the most likely the, the most likely outcome here. But who knows? 
I think it's a toss-up series, more or less. And I will say this: the the LeBron discourse. I, obviously, if you if you know me at all, you know I I don't really do LeBron discourse like that anymore because people, as I love LeBron and I'm invested in LeBron's success in his career. He's my favorite player of all time. I'm not here to act like I'm too cool for school and I don't care because that would be false, right? I've grown past the point where I care enough to argue about LeBron James because people on both sides, whether we're talking about people who love LeBron or hate him, people are passionate about that in a way that I'm just not. So I'm just not going to argue. That's just how it's going to go. The, the people who feel compelled after 20 years of LeBron and LeBron's teams winning in the way that they in the way that they do and how frequently they have done, and we're still trying to tell this man how to play basketball is fucking ridiculous. Okay, um, you know you had obviously the first quarter of the game he did not shoot. AD had it going. D'Angelo Russell damn sure had it going, and we all know that LeBron is compromised to some degree health wise. It's obvious. We had it on file. This is not new information. We had it on file. He was compromised health-wise. So he is obviously pacing himself, clearly. And for now, they have enough to make it work. He's spending a lot of time as a decoy. He's spending a lot of time as a guy who you can't who st- stands around and and uh, and accounts for spacing for offense basically. Like you can't necessarily leave LeBron for a variety of reasons, right? Okay. We've seen LeBron win in a lot of different ways. We've seen LeBron do a lot of different things to win. We've seen LeBron have arguably the most successful NBA career of all time. I'm not here. I'm not, if 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 you heard goat and goat, I'm not talking about that. All I'm saying is it might be the most impressive NBA career a career of all time. Think about the expectation you have of a 38 year old man with a fucked up foot. And then think about the expectation of basically anybody else who's in their upper 30s in NBA history. And you'll understand why I said what I said. But ultimately, look. And, and, and even the broadcasts are like, you know, they need LeBron to, 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 to take over games. It's like, they, they beat the, they got the two seed. Say whatever you want about Memphis, whatever. They got the two seed up out of there pretty easily in, in the first series without LeBron having to do all of that. They're up 2-1 on the Warriors without LeBron having to do all of that. Maybe You think maybe he knows what the fuck he's doing, given that he's been doing this for 20 years at a level not matched by that many? Maybe. I, I could be tripping here. It's almost like he, he is objectively... Not objectively, because that's subjective. But it's almost like he is one of the, at worst, like five ba- best basketball players to ever walk Earth. And it's almost like he's played in a million playoff games... And he knows the personnel around him, and he knows what it takes to win. And he's giving to the game and the Lakers what he could give. Wow, who knew? What a fucking thought process. Either way, game four should be fascinating. I think we're going to get a good one. And we'll see what the Lakers end up doing. We'll see what the Warriors end up doing. All right, Nuggets, Suns. Look, I, I think the Nuggets are a better basketball team. That's fair to say. I think they have a, 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 I think they have more good players, quite frankly, and and like I think they have better coaching. Now, 
if Devin Booker is going to play like Michael Jordan, which he has, like his splits are like 61% from the field, like 54% from the field, like 90 from the line. If he's going to do that, they might, for the rest of the series, Devin might just go home. That, that Like that just might be what it is. And that's not even accounting for the fact that Kevin Durant exists. And like if Kevin Durant also plays well along with Devin Booker doing that, like I, I don't know what exactly you're supposed to do. Sometimes two guys can take you out. Like your team might be better from one to eight or whatever, but sometimes two guys might just take you out. That that's sometimes just how the game goes. Um, but Denver, I mean, Jokic is Jokic had a fifty burger, fifty three to be exact, and they lost. Their defense just they couldn't get any stops. Like Booker, Booker were just making whatever the fuck, and then they started sending extra bodies of him and Durant, and then Landry Shamit started going crazy. It, it was all bad. Now, I don't know if overreacting to Kevin Durant and Devin Booker is the best course of action here. Like, it's probably not. Like, it feels weird to say, hey, man, just just let, let, them, let, let them get theirs. But it's like, all right, if they both get 35, like, but everybody else scores 20, you're, you're probably going to win the game. So it's just... It's easier for me to sit here and say this because I'm not an NBA coach. I'm not an NBA player. And it's it's easy for me to sit here and say, hey, man, that guy has 42 points on like nine, 12 shots. D- don't overreact to that. But, like, you might have to because now Monty has started to play shooters around Durant and Booker instead of playing guys who can't shoot. And if you're going to overreact and leave them guys open, they might kill you. So it's, there's a no-win situation. I don't know what Denver is supposed to do. They have home field. They have home court advantage, which is important, especially with the, you know the thin air in Colorado and all of that. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, before I get out of here, the the whole um, Jokic and Isbia is that his name? Whatever the owner of the Suns scenario, where Jokic the the ball fall the ball goes into into the seats into the crowd whatever, and he's in the and Isbia is in the front row. Has the ball, like his player is down. And Jokic goes over and tries to get the ball out of his hands. The owner's not willing to let go of it. It that then, you know, they ha- they have their little thing and then the ball goes flying and then uh a fan touches Jokic and then the owner also touches Jokic. And then Jokic pushes pushes it down into his and, and he flops into his seat like like a fish fresh out of water. A uh, fresh in the water. Listen. I'm assuming that they're not going to suspend Jokic behind this, and they shouldn't. B- but this idea, and, and I saw it mostly from Suns fans, to so take it with a massive grain of salt, that the owner just wasn't, he wasn't doing anything that, uh, he, he he wasn't trying to hold up the game. Then explain to me why he held the basketball in his hands that long, and why he wouldn't let go of it. Oh, well, his player was on the ground. Yeah, that's the point. His player was on the ground. He was trying to he was trying to gain a competitive advantage for his team, but before oh well you know he you you think he was thinking that in the moment what the former D one player who now owns a basketball team do I think he was thinking that in that moment yes yes he was because if Jokic gets that ball and gets the inbound while, while there's a five on four going on that is a, a distinct advantage for the Denver Nuggets for that possession just like a four on five is a distinct disadvantage for the, for the for the Suns on that very possession. There was no reason for him to hold the ball if we're, if we're going to act like it wasn't about uh, um, 
a competitive advantage. There's no reason for him to hold that basketball. He held that basketball because his player was... At least that's the most likely outcome here. That's the most likely reasoning. If there's something different, it is what it is. He didn't even deny he he didn't even deny it in his statements. I, I not even statements, tweets, whatever. He didn't deny it. He didn't deny anything. He he just said, "Hey, Jokic shouldn't be suspended," which he shouldn't. I do think though, Ishbia should be suspended, and I think he should sit his ass down for the rest of the playoffs. Because if if you're gonna if you're gonna act, actively interfere with the game and put a hand on a player, you should be suspended for the rest of for the rest of the playoffs. Because guess what? A fan does the same thing. Same thing. Same exact thing happens with a fan. That fan is banned for life. Period. And there's no two ways around it. No two ways around it. Like that fan, that fan is banned for fucking life. So ultimately, look. This is not even, I think, more hand, more fans should have hands put on them situation. Even though I do. This is just a. He Jokic was trying to keep the game in mo. The owner was not. The owner was in the wrong. You you argue whether Jokic was wrong to, to push him or whatever. I personally don't think so because Jokic got hands put on him first, and you know me. Every action deserve every action gets a reaction, right? So I'm not I'm not here to tell him he's wrong. If you want to say he's wrong, I'm not I'm not going to argue with you because I understand why you would say he was wrong for putting for for pushing somebody. Okay, cool. But ultimately, it would not have happened if the guy just gave up the basketball. And there was no reason to not give up the basketball. Except, you know, competitive advantage. And on that note, I'm out of here. I'd like to implore you to listen to the middle of the initial podcast with myself, Andrew L. Case, and Jude A. Jackson as we discuss current sports topics. Uh, tune in to Underdog Fantasy. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. Uh, we have all of your sports-related needs at the moment. Um, we are in the works for a baseball show that that should be coming soon um soon in the summer so go ahead rate review and subscribe for that rate review and subscribe for this podcast and the middle initial podcast and i will see you when i see you none of you niggas is bc i'm done with you niggas once again it's all fucking way through it niggas Alright, so I'm going to add a bit on the back end of this episode since I recorded this Monday morning, Monday afternoon, whatever it was, and there were, there were two basketball games played, and one of them ended up being a really good one. I didn't watch the Knicks and Heat, to be honest with you. I was recording at I was recording for the middle of the initial podcast at that time. So, here's the thing. Oh, yeah, and, and obviously I, I didn't even mention the actual game. Yeah, the Lakers and Warriors was a great game, a wonderful game. But Knicks Heat, all right. So first of all, y'all know I have not been invested in Knicks like that since whenever the Derrick Rose shit happened that year, 16, 17, whatever year it was. So, you know, I got back into it a little bit when it, when the Heat and Knicks became the apparent matchup because fuck it, some sports – the sports fandom shit is supposed to be fun, and being a bandwagoner that's not that invested but invested all the same, it's kind of fun. So all right, and it's not like I'm rooting for some team I've never rooted for. Like, all right, fuck it, fuck the Heat. Let's get back to let's get negative. Yeah. So I came back and I started rooting for them this series, and it's like, well, um, 
the games have just been again I didn't watch this one all I have is box score analysis and I mean that's box score analysis is useless but realistically if you're going to get out rebounded 54 to 42 um, give up 13 offensive rebounds to your 8 turn the ball over more times allow more points off turnovers you're going to lose that's just how this, that's how that's going to go but you, we could talk about how the Knicks roster is built until we're blue in the face. And, I mean, one can credibly make the argument that either, A, they should get more shooting or at least tr- try harder to get more shooting, or they should prioritize the shooting that they do have or the, the theory of the, the theory of shooting that they have because they don't really have many knockdown shooters. But the guys who have who are capable, like, you probably should play them more. Now, granted, Tibbs, it, it took him, what, three games? So he finally took Josh Hart out of the lineup, put Grimes in there, so you could have some space to actually operate in offensively. And, I mean, the Knicks offense, it looked better for whatever that is worth, if, if I'm to believe the box score. Not that that was some high bar to cross, but they were still like 9 for 29 from 3. So it's just, it's one of those they need to, the, the, the Knicks have their their ceiling is kind of capped as built because all right you're number one you're built around what a six foot one dude basically like that's hard to win with especially in the post postseason you're, you're you're facing teams with big wings and and uh, guys who could give six one six two dudes a lot of issues so it's tough it's tough winning around a six one dude no matter how dynamic the six one dude is but enough of that. Julius Randle. All right. So, first of all, listen, he was 8 for 13 for 20 points, 9 boards, 3 assists tonight. He was also a minus 1 in the game. They lost by 8. So, so I'm not here to sit here and flame broil him for the performance tonight. After the game, he says, they ask him about the Heat being the team to come up with offensive rebounds and loose balls. Maybe they want it more. I don't know. That's who we've been all year, and we've got to find a way to step up and make those plays if we want to keep the season alive. That's a very loser quote. And he's part of this, and he is the team starting power forward who, in theory, is supposed to be part of the the whole getting the rebounds and keeping guys off the glass thing, and he's talking like this. Listen. And if he was bust, if he was playing great ball, or 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 just wasn't a complete postseason colossal failure, then the quote wouldn't be that big a deal. But you add that to the quote, and it's just like, what the fuck are you talking about, Julius? What are you talking about, bro? Listen, Julius, of any player, I, I forget what the graphic was during the game. I, I don't know what kind of qualifier there were, but basically, he has the lowest shooting percentage of any player in the NBA. Uh in the playoffs, like he's shooting thirty-two percent, which is outrageously low. Okay, what Julius Randle has seemed to prove to have proven to us that he is an eighty-two game player. Like he was complaining about the physicality at the games. Like, yeah, that's the playoffs, bro. Like that—that's the playoffs. That's how this is gonna go. You're gonna be guarded differently. There, you're gonna be officiated differently. There's no bigger difference between regular season and postseason play than the NBA right now, in my opinion. I, I can't speak for hockey. I can only speak for baseball and football. But the NBA is practically a different fucking sport in the playoffs. Because guess what? It, it, in, in the playoffs, you actually have a chance to play defense. 
Like the, the, they're not concerned about one thirty to one twenty eight games because notice we have not been getting those. Like we've been getting some elite scoring performances, but they're actually giving defenders a chance to play now. Even though I'm, I'm really tired of the block charge being a discussion, but that's another discussion for another day. Julius Randle is what he is, and like while the Knicks do have him on a, a relatively good contract, because again he is a good, really good regular season performer. If you're trying to go to higher places, I don't know if you could continue to sit there with Julius Randle as a prominent part of your rotation. I don't know if you can. I, I just don't know if you could do that. Tibbs, one can make the argument he's slow to adjust. One can make the argument he's too stubborn. One could also make the argument that he seems to be convinced that there's only a certain kind of way to win basketball games. So, what could, what what could easily argue he needs to be replaced? They're never going to do it, so it's 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 a it's really a waste a waste of a discussion. But I kind of feel like he brought the stabilize the stabilizing force that they needed, and he and he they, he did what they came here what um, they wanted him to come here and do, and his time has kind of came and went. That's how I feel about Tibbs. Really, he's he's a good coach, but there's a reason that he. He wears out his welcome every single place he's ever coached. There's a reason. And I think the same thing is happening here. You see the adjustments or lack thereof or however you want to put it. And it's off-putting and it's just... He has an idealistic way of winning winning basketball games that really just does not match up with what's actually happening in 2023. So, ultimately, as long as Julius is here... And basically being either your best or second best player depends on how you... Uh, I think Jalen's better, but I, I don't think Julius thinks he's better, so there's that. Um, you have that going on. It, it, it's really hard to take them seriously. With that kind of guy, an 82-game guy, as playing such a prominent role in your offense. But the next season, I, I'm not going to say they're dead, but it's close. Like, they're on life support. It's close. I don't see them winning three straight with the offense being what it is now, but we'll see what, we'll see what they do. They've been a tough bunch all year. They've been a resilient bunch all year. The Heat might just be better that better than them at that, too, in addition to being better at basketball. So, I, I might just be tough sledding for the Knicks. Lakers-Warriors, though. This has been... I mean, we've had two great games and two just absolute duds, right? I'm really, I really appreciate this series because LeBron and Seth are two of my three favorite players of all time. And I love when they get together. It, it, it's such a, a style clash and both of them are, both of them for my money are top 10 players of all time. It, it, it's really great to watch them play against each other in, in these high leverage games and we don't know how many of them we're going to get. We don't know how many more of them we're going to get. Like, we, LeBron is 38. Father Time might be catching up to him. Steph is 35. Steph looks like he, Steph looks like, Steph can't be fucked with right now, really. But we don't know how many more of these we're going to get. Listen, that game was great. It was a, a, a great basketball game. It had a little bit of everything. You had stellar defense. You had some good offense. You had Hall of Famers. Shit, you had a role player taking over the game in the fourth quarter. It was 15, it was 15 fourth quarter points. 
you had everything you could you had you had everything you could reasonably ask for out of that basketball game. First of all, the Lakers are up three one, and let me tell you, the Warriors are not dead. You're gonna have to knock that team out. I know the Warriors the last two games have been sloppy. There's been things to bitch about. They're down three one. I get it. That team is not dead. Personally, I think they're gonna win Game Five. I think they're gonna blow. The, I think they're gonna blow them out of the building, and then we'll see what happens. Game Six. We'll see what happens. If if the Lakers are gonna win the series, to me, it gotta be in six. They don't want to go back to a Game Seven in that building. Now, the game, um, a lot of interesting things going on. Um, Warrior fans, at least the ones on the social uh, on the socials. They act crazy about Steve Kerr. Listen, Steve Kerr has won four NBA championships as a head coach. He's clear. He's clearly at worst like a top three NBA coach right now. Um, he's a great coach. That does not mean he's without flaw. And I think the most annoying thing, I, well, annoying implies that I root for Warriors and other, but I don't. The most confounding thing about Steve Kerr is. This idea, if, if something is working too much, we have to move away from it. Especially when that something involves spamming one guy doing the same thing over and over again. We have to go away from that. And I get it. It comes with what Steve Kerr has preached and, and what Steve Kerr's message is, which is some of the parts... I mean, what 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 is their slogan again? Strength in numbers. Yeah, strength in numbers. Some of the parts. That's what they do. This is what they do. And I get that. Sometimes you got to scrap that though, bro. This is one of those nights. And I say this readily, willing to acknowledge that Steph was twelve for thirty from the field and three for fourteen from three. But with that said, whenever they put AD in pick and rolls, whenever whenever they dragged AD out of the paint, Steph was. They were getting great shots. They just had to make them. And then once they switched AD onto Anthony, um, onto Andrew Wiggins, excuse me, then all of a sudden they stopped doing it. They stopped going to it. And I don't understand why. Then they went back to it late in the fourth a couple times and then just stopped, just stopped doing it. And it's very strange that you have arguably the league's best offensive player. I don't think that's a stretch. And he's booging on people the whole night. Again, I know the shooting numbers said what they said, but that doesn't account for the chaos that he was causing. And that doesn't account for the open looks he was getting for everybody with his, with his penetration. I think he had like 14 assists. With his consistent penetration, with his playmaking, he was doing it all. And they decided, we're going to go away from that. And we're going to make our lives harder. Why? I have no fucking idea. None. I have zero idea. People getting, fr- it, it, as I tweeted, it's like NFL offensive coordinators who are way too concerned with how it looks and how they look and how they're perceived as, you know, genius and this, that, and the third, as opposed to what works and what wins. Sometimes it's going to be ugly. Sometimes you just got to do the same show over and over. You're not going to get, you're not going to get to flash your creativity. It doesn't have to be about that. Sometimes it looks like it's about that for the Warriors. I'm, I'm not suggesting nefarious things here. I'm not suggesting that there's agenda-driven things here. There might be some arrogance there. Can't argue that. There might be some arrogance. There might be some, yeah, we, 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 we could do this just because we're us, which, okay. 
think that's goofy, but okay. And then that, and then the, the final play of the game, or so, sorry, the final final relevant play for the Warriors, where they ran the hammer action to try and get an open look for Clay in the corner. It's like, first of all, Clay Clay done missed like eighty shots the two games in LA, made like four. Like, first of all, second of all, again, you have Steph Curry your team, and on this play, he's a decoy, and and not even the not even the 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 good decoy. I, I don't know what a good decoy is, but. Draymond got the ball to start the play, and and the, and the thing with the hammer action is, um, the the reaction to the ball handler is what makes that play go. And don't nobody care about Draymond driving to the basket when you're down by three, and and that's what they were they were banking on an overreaction to a Draymond Green drive. Why? Why? This is not even this is not hindsight. Because realistically, I, I think it was just an extension of, of what was wrong with the rest of the game plan from like the middle of the third quarter through the end of the game. Just spam. St- like I get it. M- maybe energy and you just don't want to wear stuff out, which, hey, I understand that. And, I, and I'm, I'm sensitive to it. But you're down 2-1 in the series, and Steph is cooking them. And Steph is creating shots for everybody. He's cr- you are you are getting a good shot every time down the floor. You're just like you know we we, we want to stop this. We can't continue to create good good shots. Why? I don't get it. But hey, and the wonderful thing about the NBA and the wonderful thing about the NBA playoffs, I like a good story. And, and Lonnie Walker going from you know being the starter early this year to being to to collecting DMPs to being a garbage time replacement in games in the playoffs to collecting more playoff DMPs to scoring to LeBron and AD basically letting him run the fourth quarter offense in a game in a critical playoff game it's it, it, stuff like that just makes you love basketball man and I love a good story and Lonnie Walker by all accounts seemed like a, a decent kid and all of that. And good for him. Like I like when guys get guys who don't usually get that kind of tick get a moment like that. Like role player explosions are, are are a thing I like about the NBA playoffs. I like when the role players go crazy. Like like I I'm I'm emotionally invested in Phoenix losing, so I I, I wasn't very happy when Landry Shamit was doing it. But that's another example. Like I like those kind of stories. I like those kind of games from role players. So. Hey man, it's three ones going back to GS. It's going back to San Fran. I personally think San um, Golden State's going to win Game Five, and and also not for nothing. AD, I I I don't. I'm not going to sit here and compare anything because especially on defense, it's hard to because numbers you you can't just take all these numbers at face value and all of that. AD's having the best postseason I've seen defensively in a long time. I don't know since when, and I'm not comparing nobody to nobody. All I know is eight. Their entire game plan right now with Golden State is how can we avoid Anthony Davis being in the paint, and it's and, and it's not in a Rudy Gobert way where you know like all right if we get him in pick and rolls and we get him on our guys, on our smaller guys they're gonna saute them because they tried that and it has not worked. And in the fourth quarter. Granted, I think Steph was doing a little bit too much for some of these shots. As far as, you know, step, uh, the step back three at 102-101 was tough. I think he had a floater at 102-99, I believe. A one, like a one-legged floater that 
that missed as well. Like, I thought he could have taken AD through. Now it's easy for again. I am just a man with an opinion on a podcast. It's easy for me to sit here and talk and say that. It's very easy, but AD is altering games on the defensive end in a playoff setting that I have not seen in a long time. Because again, their entire game plan hinges strictly on basically how can we do how can we actively avoid Anthony Davis. How can we? And how can we get this man out of the paint so we so we could do something? Because if he's in the paint, we we can't get to the paint. It's off off access. He is defending the paint like I have not seen in a long time. And hey, he put together two really good games in a row. We we we've been waiting for that in the playoffs from Anthony Davis. But the the series and listen, if the Warriors end up losing the series, they're gonna have some interesting questions to answer. Like what? What's gonna happen with Draymond's deal? What's gonna happen with Clay's deal? They're gonna have some interesting questions to answer, and who knows how? To, who knows what the answers to those questions end up being? But I'm enjoying LeBron and Steph because, hey man, it might, this might be the last one we get of it. It might be. <laughs>